The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hi, this is Sarah Riff, and welcome to Having It All in Other Lies, the podcast where I talk to people I admire about letting go of perfection, embracing the chaos, and redefining what success and happiness look like to them. Because ultimately, the only definition that matters is our own. Today's guest is entrepreneur and digital content creator, Chriselle Lim. Beginning her fashion career as a wardrobe stylist, Chriselle logged years of editorial shoots with prominent fashion books and celebrities before founding her website, The Chriselle Factor, to chronicle her daily musings and personal style. She also launched her YouTube channel to empower and inspire women all over the world. With over 29 million views, Chriselle is the number one fashion expert on all of YouTube. Most recently, Chriselle is the co-founder and CMO of Bumo. What started as a solution for working parents and was intended to be a co-working space with licensed childcare quickly pivoted to become an online destination offering virtual programming for both parents and kids during the pandemic when I can attest it is needed the most. Chriselle, you are doing God's work. Thank you for being here and taking the time today. Hi, Sarah. So good to see you in person. Well, not really in person. The closest thing. This is as close as we get to in person anymore. Exactly. And you look all aglow. Thank you. So do you. You look amazing. Oh, God. I mean, this is like we're really prepping for our Zooms now. (laughs) At least from the waist up, you know, things are polished and waist down. It's biker shorts and Birkenstocks, baby. Yep. Or pajamas. Or pajamas. But you'll never know. How are you doing? How are you holding up with everything? I am doing better. I mean, I, I have to be honest. I mean, I guess your the podcast is Truths and Lies. So I guess I should be honest here. It, it was challenging for the past few months and just for personal reasons. But things are, are getting a lot better for me. And I just feel like I'm getting back into kind of my normal groove. Right. And you're finding a rhythm. Yeah, exactly. But you have both of your girls at home, right? Yes, I do. And that was definitely one of the biggest challenges. But I mean, I've been doing it now for about six months. So I know, which is wild. I guess you can say we're kind of used to it. How about you? You know what? We are, we find a groove and we find a rhythm. And sometimes then we get off course and we have to try to get back to where we were. You know, I started today with like really good intentions. I got up early, I worked out, and then I tried to do a little meditation with my kids before they were like us getting on a Zoom for their school because I have a kindergartner and a third grader. And it's a lot of computer time for kids, you know? It's a lot. It's a lot for all of us. And at least you and I have the verbal skills to communicate with friends about it. Yeah, exactly. What do you miss most? You know what's funny? I never thought I would miss this because I'm naturally more of an introvert. Most people don't know that just because I am on camera a lot and I kind of put on this show. I mean, it's not a show, I guess you can say, because it is truly who I am. But I kind of tune in on more of kind of my humor and theatrical side, especially when I'm doing TikTok. So people naturally assume that I'm more extroverted, but I'm not. I'm actually introverted. So it's... That's interesting. Yeah. It's actually quite surprising that 
during this whole pandemic and I guess quarantine life, I miss people, which sounds so weird because I used to be the person that was like, I don't want to see anyone. I want to be alone. And I was thriving for a few months. And then I soon realized that I actually do need people, even as an introvert. Yeah. I think also, especially if you're sharing the house with small people, you really crave just those little replenishments of being around your adult friends, you know, and it doesn't have to be a lot of time and it can be an outdoor dinner or something that at least makes you feel like, okay, I have the steam in me to go through for like the next couple of weeks, but you need a little bit of that reminder that you're more than just kind of the logistics coordinator for your household. Yeah. And I just miss the little things like, oh, I am going to go get a massage or go get my nails done just because it's that time of the month. Whereas now it's like, should I do it? I don't know if it's safe. Like, you know, you just have to second guess everything. And I think these are things that I've realized that I've taken for granted that we've all taken for granted that I don't think we ever will again. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think what you're saying too, is in the very beginning, it was easy to follow. It was like, we're all locking down, we're staying at home. And I found that there was something really peaceful about that time because there was no FOMO. You didn't worry that you were missing out on anything. And it was really like being forced to just kind of slow down and quiet down and be with your family. And now we're in this quasi zone where Certain things have opened up, but most of the restraints are still there and the restrictions. So if you do do anything, you have to then, you know, after like a big night out when you were younger and you drank too much and you're like, oh my God, did I, did I do something bad last night? Did I put myself at risk? Did I, you know what I mean? (laughs) That's where it goes to for me anyways, you know? Yeah. I saw this funny, not funny, but like it was a reminder and I forgot who posted it, but it said people are thinking that I'm overreacting, that I'm still talking about quarantining and washing my hands and wearing a mask. Like, just so you know, it's not overreacting. So just because I feel like people now are like, okay, it's still here. Let's just move on. And so a lot of us, including myself, I'm like, wait, is it okay that I go out and continue my life? Or is it not like, it, it's just like this continuous battle that we we all kind of go through. And even with schooling, right? I do have the option of sending Chloe back to kindergarten because her kindergarten has actually been, they got a permit to uh, run their school at 10% capacity. That's incredible. And I may send my kids to that school. (laughs) Yeah. And so like 80% of my friends are like, you are so lucky. You should send your kids. And I'm like, go, 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 go. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to. And then my husband, Alan is like, wait, before we make that decision, even though everyone is going for it, let's hold off and see for a few months if there, are, if there are any outbreaks. And then, you know, at that point, we can make a smarter decision. And I was like, oh, okay, fine. Right, um, right. So she's still at home, but we do have the option of sending her back. And so it's, it, there's no right or wrong at this point. And that's the hardest part, right? Because I'm looking at my friends and seeing what they're doing. But then I'm also thinking about like, what ifs? And so I think that is the hardest part right now is like, you just have to do what's best for your family. Right. Well, you know, I think that that's sort of like a bigger statement for our life moving forward. And also kind of one of the themes of the podcast, which is that I think ultimately what we've done is we've taken a pause and we all have to reassess moving forward. 
where we're putting our priorities, where we're putting our time, how we're designing our life so that we feel safe with what we're doing and so that we feel like we're in alignment with our values, you know, moving forward. Because I think everyone that I speak to felt like they were operating at such warp speed that this has been a really good time of reflection for that. But it really like applies to all of it. So I mean, pre all of this craziness, when you were growing up, did you have an idea for yourself what having it all looked like? Did you have an idea of the type of life that you designed? Because you perfectly personify someone who has created her own lane and created a life for yourself that I don't think you modeled after anyone. So I would love to hear about what that looked like for you growing up and what you wanted for yourself and how you got to where you are today. So growing up, I knew that I wanted to work because I saw my mom and I love my mom dearly. And she's someone that sacrificed her whole life for her kids. Um, She was actually in fashion as well, but she gave up on her dreams because she had no other choice because she needed to take care of us. And they weren't making that much money back then where they could hire outside help. So my mom kind of gave up on her dreams and not that she was ever negative raising us, but I could always tell that there was kind of like this, oh, you know, I gave this up for you guys. And I knew watching her because she she was the type of mom that literally made five different meals for us throughout the day. Like our her whole world revolved around us. And I knew that I didn't want to be like that. I knew exactly watching her that she had bigger ambitions that she couldn't pursue because of her kids. So growing up, I knew that I didn't want to, I guess you can say, give up on what I love just because I want a kid. So naturally, I thought I didn't want kids growing up because I assumed at a young age that if you had kids, then you couldn't do what you wanted to do. So all the way up up until probably even after I met Alan, when we're dating, I was like, I don't want kids. Like, I want to do me. I want to have a career. So having it all back then to me was actually not having kids which is so funny because my whole world revolves around my kids now. I, I kind of see that too. I feel the yeah. same way as I think that especially as women kind of bifurcate their roles. And if you look at whether or not you wanted a family, the way that so many of us grew up, it really represented not being able to follow your own path and do the things that you want to do. And so it felt like a big concession. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was... When I started dating Alan, like early on in my college years, you know, I knew that I wanted to get into fashion. I didn't know how, but I I became really ambitious and career oriented. And, you know, obviously he was very supportive, but I think it was even after we got married, I was still questioning, like, do I really want kids? I don't know. And then I got pregnant by accident. (laughs) Well, there you go. So then the universe sort of made the choice for you. Exactly. And now I can't figure out like how I would have ever lived my life without them. But, you know, with that said, having it all, you know, definitely has changed because now I realize that you can't have it all. I mean, at least not at the same time. And there are different seasons. There are seasons when you're going to feel like you're on top of the world with your career, but naturally something has to give. And usually that is going to be a personal life, whether it be your family, your kids, your relationship, and vice versa. There are times like for me personally, these past few months, I've been dealing with a lot of personal things that I had to kind of let go of some of my career, not career, but like some of the work at the moment and kind of let it slide because I had to handle some things personally. 
And that's just how it is. And that is, to me, having it all is that just being realistic that things will come and go. You can have both, but it's going to be kind of like the seesaw effect. It comes and goes up and down. Right. I like that. I like the seesaw and seasons because like you said, it's like so much of it and so much of having kids puts variables outside of your control. Someone's always going to be sick. Someone's always going to, you know, take an issue or there's like these wild card moments like right now where it's like when you were planning it all or when you were kind of like had the seesaw in a good rotation, the world wasn't also experiencing a global pandemic where you guys were having to stay home and you were having to make all these changes. So you just have to adapt as much as possible. Yeah. And I think social media definitely has put a different light on like what people assume having it all means because on social media, especially on Instagram, you see the mom that is like having a career that looks amazing, that has like these beautiful photos of her and her kids. But do you actually really know what's going on deep down inside? Like you just don't really know. So I think we just all have to set more realistic expectations for ourselves and not kind of comparing ourselves to what we see online. And that's something that I had to break away from. So even on my social platforms, I try to be a bit more honest just because I was that girl, right? I was I was a girl who was comparing myself to other people being like, how come, like, I can't get my kids to change out of their clothes and like the same clothes that they've been wearing for three days. How is this person having all these cute outfit photos with her kids? Like, like I just had to stop that. And so now the conversation that I have on social media with my followers is like, Look, I feel really shitty right now. You know, recently I've been going through some personal things. I've I've been really open with that. Like I'm not in the best place mentally, but you know, I'll come back. And so just having these more open raw conversations online is really important as well. Don't you feel also that you're playing kind of like both sides of the coin because you are someone who's a content creator who's putting out imagery that for a lot of people, I'm sure they're comparing themselves against, you know what I mean? And and it's so interesting and it's so important to also to be in that position and to not only admit that you are on the other end sometimes where you're comparing yourselves, but that you are someone who puts out beautiful imagery, but it doesn't always feel as beautiful as it looks. It's so much hard work that you're putting together and that you want to make sure that your content reflects a authentic version of your life and something that people can look to, but also not affect them detrimentally. Yeah, absolutely. I think there is an approach that you can take where you can have both and show both sides, especially if you have a platform, because I think when you have a following and a platform, there comes, you have a responsibility, right? Not to just inspire people, but also to let people know that what they're going through is normal and is okay. And if they're having bad days, it's okay to feel that way. So I try to have a a fine balance, kind of do like a fine dance between both showing beautiful imagery, but also the realness of this chaos. Right. And have you found that it's also been beneficial to you? Like, have you found that through sharing things that you're going through, you've tapped into your community of people who might also be dealing with something similar? Yeah, absolutely. I think with fashion, because I started with fashion in college, you know, obviously people were coming to me for inspiration for outfits and ideas. But now, because of kind of this mom audience that I built with my platform, when I talk about kind of the problems that I'm going through, it feels more of like a real tight knit community where they're like, oh, well, I'm going through this as well. This is what you should do. So it, it 
we're sharing tips with each other versus me always having to play that card of like, I'm trying to help you. Like my community tries to help me as well. And it just feels more of like a real community versus the responsibility all on me trying to motivate them and inspire them. Right. Which is so cool. And we're also familiar with you in terms of all of the fashion content and the collaborations and everything that you've done. But tell me a little bit about your new venture with Bumo. Yeah. So Bumo was born out of the pandemic, actually. Oh. Uh, Well, we started Bumo a few years ago. Pre-pandemic, right? Pre-pandemic. But uh, Bumo Brain launched through the pandemic. I oh, see somebody hi, in the background. Hi, Chloe. I'm so sorry. My daughter. No, is I love this. This is what it is. What do, what do you need? You got the pink color. I'm so proud of you. I'll see you in a bit. It's so funny, too. It's like every single one of my calls, I have some, um, excuse me, um, um, mom, excuse me, um, mom. And it's just like, what I do like about this is that, listen, I think before we really had to separate between personal and private. And so many people, especially like when you go back to the thing about your mom, felt like they couldn't pursue certain things because they wanted to have this other aspect of their lives, right? Which is a family and raising kids. And the truth is, is that all of that stuff is going to require a certain amount of attention and prioritizing and upkeep. And you can't, what I like about this is like the walls have shut down no matter who I'm talking to. Someone's kid is walking in or there's a husband walking behind or like, you know, it's just like, we're all human. We're all doing our best right now and we're all working out of our homes. So what do you expect? I know. I mean, this whole work life integration is like at its test right now, right? Like how can people function? I feel like we're kind of in this test of like, can you actually get it done with the kids around? And the fact is you can, it's a little crazy, but you can make it happen. But yeah, it's literally every phone call, every conference call, every investor call I have. um, She just knows that it's her, her time to come, come down and show up. She's like, Oh, that sounds like an important call. I'm going (laughs) to go and show her. Okay. So sorry, getting back to Bumo. Yeah. So Bumo, as you know, we launched it as a complete different model right before the pandemic. It was essentially bringing licensed childcare to the workplace. So anywhere from corporate offices to shopping centers, anywhere where parents are working, we are bringing licensed childcare so parents can be co-located with their child so they could pursue their careers while still not feeling guilty being separated from their kids. So we are launching our very first location at Westville Century City. It was supposed to be open by now, but it's opening early next year, 2021. But actually, because of the setback of the physical location, we just finished raising our round, right? Our, our first round, and then the pandemic hit. And so me and my co-founder, Joan, who comes from the education world, we were like, we need to do something. And so we experienced the pains of homeschooling, as I'm sure you are experiencing as well. And the first experience I had when the pandemic first hit and everyone was doing Zoom calls for school, it was so painful because these traditional schools- The worst. The worst. The the worst. It was, well, it was also so reactionary. No one had- it set up. They didn't have any time to plan. It was just like, what can we do? Let's try to figure out the problem. And it was a disaster. A disaster, right? So mind you, most of our kids have never been on a video call 
on a computer before. So you're putting them in front of a computer with a, a live teacher with 20 other kids, 15 other kids in one classroom. They're talking over each other to the point where the teacher ends up having to mute everyone. So then it just becomes like this show and tell situation, no different than watching like a show, like a YouTube show, right? So I just became so frustrated. And so then that's when I asked my co-founder, Joan, can I just have one of our BUMO instructors that we were actually going to use for our physical location because we built out this, in, this huge curriculum through kind of our educators? Can we just use some of that on Chloe? And she was like, yeah, sure. Had that experience. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is magical. Like the excitement that I saw Chloe experience with her teacher virtually I've never seen that happen before. And it was magic. And that's when I was like, Joan, we need to do something about this. Every single parent is actually going through this around the world. And there is a window of opportunity for us to be able to launch our curriculum, not physically as we were planning to, but virtually. And so we did that. And within, I would say, about three months, it's been exponential as far as the growth goes, just because of the need and the demand and the lack thereof of good virtual schooling available right now. And so it is for early childhood education. So so what it, age are we talking? Two through six. Okay. So, yeah. And it's the perfect one of virtual education and unplugged learning. I think the challenges with virtual learning is that, you know, there are kind of like the screens where you just learn virtually and then you kind of sign off and then tap here's and tap there's. Um, but this is a mixture of both, which is synchronous and asynchronous learning. And that is when you're able to kind of mix the two, that is when magic happens. That's when they're able to retain all the information that they've learned. And so, yeah, that is what we built during the pandemic. Um, and it's been quite a journey the past six months, I would say. But it's been incredible. And just the amount of people around the globe that are using our platform, not just during these times, because I think people are now more so confident knowing that education can actually, a high quality education can be accessible online virtually, no matter where in the world you are. So a lot of people are tuning in from Asia, from Europe to not only learn about just like the basic fundamentals, but also to learn English to learn a different language, to learn about culture. And so it's really brought the world together to be able to have access to high quality education. Well, this is so amazing and prescient of you guys also to have been working on this. And I understand that it had to pivot away from its in-person format that you were initially planning. Although whatever you're going to be doing with your first center sounds amazing. And I'm excited for you when it does open, but what a good testing ground also right now to kind of work out some of the kinks too, in a way where it's like, like you said, we were all kind of like thrown into this situation and it was a disaster at best, you know, in the beginning. And so now it's like, you can see what do people respond to? And this is like, you could not have better VIP access than to have two kids who actually need this service and have the insider access to all these teachers and to ho their whole protocol for doing it and, and see how it works in your home too. So this is incredible. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we built this really for us, ourselves, selfishly, because we needed it. Yeah. And then we're like, we can't be the selfish. We can't keep it for ourselves. This is incredible. Like we have to share it with the world. And I think I didn't really understand it in the beginning 
when we're building Bumo, but people, investors especially, were like, once you're able to find product market fit, and everyone kept saying that product market fit, and everyone thinks that they have product market fit, right? Even when we are building out our physical location. What is product market fit for anyone who doesn't know? Product market fit, when, when there is such a big demand for your product to a specific consumer, and that you don't even have to worry about, honestly, growth marketing at that point, because everyone at that point just understands the need for it at that time. So right now, you have a product market fit right now, like yeah. I've never seen, right? Yes. I mean, you couldn't have dreamed this up. No. And this was not a part of, this was not a part of the plan at all. And so I think not that this is an entrepreneur podcast, but my tip is, you know, you have to plan, but also plan for the things that you don't plan for and just go with it and ride with it. Because like Entrepreneur Magazine put me and my co-founder on the cover of their magazine alongside with the co-founder of Zoom and Peloton. And wow. like that, that wouldn't have happened with our original business plan. And so we were, I think the one tip that I have for people that are looking to like pivot is that you just have to go with it, even though it's scary. Like we didn't know what we were doing in the beginning. We didn't know if it was going to work out. And now that we're here, we were very happy that we made the pivot. But it was tough times. It was scary times. It was messy and it was not pretty. And we were doing it, both me and my co-founder were doing it at home with both of our kids. And it was crazy. <laughs> but don't you think that's like most endeavors, right? In the beginning, it's kind of like, it's messy. It's not linear. It doesn't seem like it is going as you expected it to, but the results ended up yielding far greater than you could have ever imagined. You know what I mean? By just sort of being flexible and riding the wave a little bit. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it, I think, is that you just don't really know what to expect. You know, you you have to be flexible and you have to not be so stubborn because I'm very stubborn. I'm an Aries. When I have a plan, I like to stick to it. But one thing that I've learned is that you just kind of have to let that go. How has this affected your interest in fashion? Like this is just like a whole other side of you or were you craving a new challenge when this first came up? Yeah. I mean, I always joke that I kind of felt like I was living a double standard life because How do you of mean? the different personas that I have. I'm like rich mom on TikTok to the Gen Z audience, to my fashion life, to now like being the CMO of an ed tech company. And so it's something that I've had to, to figure out on my own of like, how am I going to balance it? How am I going to wear all these hats? And again, like I said, something has to give. And honestly, I love fashion and I've been doing influencer marketing for the past 12 years. And that's kind of my life and what I know. But I think I was craving for a change. I was ready to be challenged. Not, not saying that what I was doing wasn't challenging before, but I've been doing the same thing for almost 12 years. And I, I, I was craving for something different. And being the CMO of Bumo has really challenged me to learn marketing in a way bigger way beyond just influencer marketing. Sarah, you know this because you're in marketing as well, right? And so when I got into this role, because my, my co-founder is the CEO and I, I'm the CMO, I was like, I got this. I know it's all things marketing. Yeah, yeah. You're like, this, this is old hat for me. Yeah. And then once I got in, I was like, 
holy shit, I actually don't truly understand marketing. Well, does it translate? Do you feel like what you were doing before was translating? This is a whole different forum, right? Even like the visual presentation of what you're using, I don't know that that would translate in that way. Yeah, well, influencer marketing is like probably, it's a small piece of a really large pie, which is marketing in general. So I had to learn everything from you know, UX to customer acquisition, UI, you know, paid ads, like things that I was not familiar with at all. And so it did translate, I think aesthetically, when you have an eye creatively, like you could, you could translate that into any kind of category that you go into, but how you do it and kind of the strategy around it is a little bit different. And so I loved it. It was so challenging for me. I felt like I had, I was back in school. Like I was learning a lot. I was asking other CMOs of big firms and companies what they're doing. And I I was just a sponge. And I think for me throughout my career, even as an influencer, the most fun I had was when I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was just learning so much and I was adapting and I was growing. And I think with what I've been doing with influencer marketing, I kind of learned everything that I needed to learn there. And so coming back to this, to Bumo, I was like, wow, like I'm learning so much. And that's what gets me excited and inspired. Right. It's not like you tapped out, but I do think that there's a point at which you, you're almost doing things with your eyes closed a little bit. And if you are someone who craves a challenge, you're not going to still feel that push. You know, you need to try something new. And I think that that's what sounds so amazing about this and that I can hear the excitement in your voice is because you too, not only are you working on this whole new educational platform, but you yourself are learning and challenging and you feel those muscles of developing new skills that can translate to other things that you're doing, but it's just like a whole new approach to doing it and a whole new way of looking at it. But I love what you're saying about like you, you are wearing so many different hats and you're so great and honest about how difficult sometimes that is. But on the fun side, tell us about your rich mom, because (laughs) I love that. Like for anyone who hasn't seen Chriselle on TikTok does this incredible character called your rich mom. And I want to know a little bit like how did, how did your rich mom come to be? And was it something that people started to call you or how did you develop this character? So Rich Mom was born on TikTok. I did not give myself that name. And the funny thing is that it doesn't really translate onto Instagram because Instagram is just like a bit more of a older audience, like my age, our age, right? And so- I mean, what, we're, yes, we're like the yeah, old hags on Instagram. We're, we're definitely <laughs> not Gen Z. <laughs> so- Rich Mom came about when I first started TikTok, which was last year, winter. I just started uploading and it was during Paris Fashion Week. And Mm -hmm. people were, the kids were asking in the comments, like, who is this rich lady traveling to Paris? Like, this rich mom, she's a mom, she has two kids. Like, her outfit was so fabulous. And that's when actually Parasite came out, the movie, the Korean movie. Oh, the best. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, she looks like that rich mom in Paris. Oh my God, I see it. I see it. And then so what the, is that actress's name? She's gorge. I don't know. I'm really bad at this. As the rich mom doppelganger of her, you really should. She's the OG rich mom. Okay. Yeah. So they're just basically like, who's this rich mom? 
Yeah. So it was like two and two together. It's like this rich lady traveling to Paris. Oh, she looks like the rich mom from Parasite. And then they just started calling me. Hey, rich mom, I, I need an iPad. Can you send over some money? No. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then I would just play along and be like, sure. Which one do you want? And then other kids would be like, hey, my parents are being really mean. Rich mom, can you adopt me? And then I would be like, yeah, when do you want me to send over the adoption papers? So I was literally playing along with them. And that became my persona on TikTok. And Rich Mom really took off from there. And when I'm out on the streets now, the funny thing is, there's a high school by where I live. And before TikTok, my followers would come up to me, but they would be kind of more my age. Like, oh, I love your Instagram. Like, I love your mm-hmm. outfits. Da, da, da. <laughs> but now, literally, these middle schoolers and high school kids, they come up to me and they're like, ah! It's rich mom. It's rich. They don't even know my name. Because oh my God. They think I'm just a rich so mom. Do you on think TikTok. that they know also, like in terms of, you know, obviously you're there when you were at Paris Fashion Week, you're there probably, you know, you've been invited to all these shows. All of these brands are also sending this product. Do you think that that even translates or do they actually think that you're just this rich woman who's buying all this stuff? I think they don't understand that. I mean, they might now because I think a lot more fashion influencers are coming onto TikTok and right. sharing kind of like the process. But still to this day, when I show off my outfits, they're like, oh gosh, I wish I could afford that. I'm like, girl, I can't even afford this. Uh, this is brought to you by Dior samples. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Crystal, what does your closet look like? Because like sometimes I see your things and listen, I'm so inspired, but I also, as someone who's been locked in her house for months now, mm-hmm. do you ever feel like you're just like drowning in all these rich mom bags? Yes and no. I mean, half of the stuff is mine. Half of them are samples. Oh, so I it's do like goes send- back. Yeah. I mean, I'm real honest with my followers. Like half the stuff is mine, but the other half is not. So my closet actually, it's, you know, your typical kind of like room that you transform into a closet. But I I don't like a lot of things in my closet. I like yeah. when I'm able to kind of see everything. So I'm really diligent about what I bring in. And I'm also diligent about purging and giving things away. So people actually get when they see my closet, they're like, Oh, yeah, Yeah. it's less crazy than I thought. Yeah, exactly. But the girls must have the best time. I love that they've been styling you recently. They love being in my closet. I mean, especially Chloe, I think she, she watches what I do. And so she's like, Mommy, I, I like these shoes. Can we film a video? I'm like, no, girl, where are you going to post this? Like, where, where's this going? Like, is there a Bumo sort of fashion portal yet for yeah. her to, she should do that like, like an online class, you know? Yeah, exactly. So it's fun seeing them, but yeah, I love having girls, but I'm sure within the next few years, things will be missing. I'm sure that they will too. I want to give a special thanks to our partner, Monkey 47 Gin, the gin with an international cult following among bartenders and connoisseurs alike. It took one of the most in-demand brands in the world's top cocktail bars to finally give Rosé the day off it deserved at my house. Monkey 47 is known for its unique and eccentric recipe using, you guessed it, 47 botanicals, more than any other gin. My go-to drink recently has been a Negroni, and Monkey 47's notes of lavender, grapefruit, lemon, and mint bring me that much closer to my destiny of sipping them along the Italian coast 
rather than in my own backyard wearing my sweatpants. We are so excited to partner with Monkey 47 for a fresh take on our favorite cocktails. Please drink responsibly. And now back to having it all in other lives. You've been obviously really honest about that. There's the ebb and flow to all of it. So obviously you feel like sometimes you're kind of crushing it work-wise, but family's suffering and vice versa. Absolutely. I mean, I think this pandemic has been like kind of pure, a perfect example of that. I'm really open with my personal life and I always share when I'm having tough times. And these past few weeks, months have been incredibly challenging for many personal reasons. And I had to take a three-week break on social media. And this was before Fashion Week or Fashion Week at home, I guess you can say. Right. I was MIA. And, you know, of course, people are like, where are you? Are you okay? But then I came back and I'm like, look, I just had to handle some personal stuff. Like I was not in a good mental space, but, you know, I hope you guys can respect that. And the amount of people, followers are like, I respect that so much. Thank you for sharing that knowing that you're human and you have these moments as well makes me want to follow you even more. So I'm just really open about kind of my personal life as well. I won't go into the nitty gritty, but when I am able to share what I'm going through, I do with no shame. And hopefully I'll help someone out during that time. Right. I love what you recently shared about feeling like when you were growing up that you just didn't feel like you fit in and you didn't like the way that you looked Mm -hmm. and that you were able to incorporate that into, I think, a really positive way that you've been able to approach beauty now and how things that bothered you when you were growing up are now key elements of your look that you really like. But I think it takes that getting to know yourself and becoming comfortable with yourself as an adult. And as kids, it's so much harder. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a predominantly all white neighborhood. I was There was probably four to five Asian kids in my entire city, yet alone my high school. I was, me and my sister were the only ones. So I just felt really different. I knew I was different. And so as a young girl, especially in high school, you just want to fit in. You want to just be like everyone else. At least I did. So I was so insecure. I was incredibly insecure, but it was mainly because I didn't have anyone to identify with. Like there was no one in the media that was Asian. There was no one that I could look up to that looked like me. So now one of my biggest pushes like on my platforms is just to really talk about embracing your differences and, you know, standing up for Asian Americans, you know, being able to to be a champion for them, especially for young girls. Yeah. And that's so important. And I'm sure, especially raising two girls yourself, you see how wild our perception of ourselves, how that really starts so early on. And you and I didn't grow up with this. Like my mom was never taking photos. The photos that I have as a kid are few and far between, and they're always terrible angles. And like, you know, nobody had any good eye when they were taking them. Now I think about my kids and I have thousands of photos of them but they're almost fatigued by it, you know, and they see everybody taking selfies and the whole thing. And it's just like, I wonder, especially for my daughter, how that will affect her growing up, you know, and her sense of self. But I wonder for you, how do you think that you overcame, or I guess maybe you don't overcome it per se, but how do you balance the fact that you said that you feel sort of like an introvert, but you're so good about 
being forthcoming with your platform and with sharing in a way that doesn't come natural to a lot of people. So how do you think that you were able to do that? I think it's a muscle that you have to continuously just work out literally and physically because my natural state of comfort is keeping everything to myself and being in a quiet room alone, being able to work alone, being able to do things alone, going to the spa. Like that's like my dream day, going to the spa alone with nobody around me, Uh, no one talking to me. Like divine. Yes, exactly. And so I know where I can actually be in my comfort zone. But because for the past 10, 12 years, I've had to force myself and every single day I've had to put myself on camera it's almost become a part of me where I'm like, oh, this is, this is me now. This is the new Christelle. Like, I am no longer this kind of introverted Christelle, even though that's who I am at the core. The new Christelle is I know how to play up this, not just role, but it's a part of me now. So I think like anything else, you just have to practice those muscles. If you want to become a bit more extroverted and out there and sociable is you just have to make a little goal every single day, whether it sounds silly or not, whether it's just, I mean, you can't physically go out to social outings like we used to anymore, but whether it's like to talk to someone that you don't know every single day, just, you know, whether it be on DM or through, I don't know, maybe people do Zoom calls now. Right. Like meetups. Yeah. Meetups. Like force yourself. You have to force yourself to get outside of your comfort zone. And that's one thing that I've been really good at throughout, you know, all the kind of different chapters in my life is I always embrace the uncomfortable and always kind of push myself. And when I felt uncomfortable, I knew that I was doing something right. So even though it felt weird, I always kind of pushed myself to continue. And that is just something that you have to continue to do every single day. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to ask you just a couple of fun questions. So we talk about having it all, all the time, but what have you had enough of? I've had enough of my kids. (laughs) Yeah, I hear that, girl. Like, it's so natural for both the kids and for us to be around each other this often, right? A lot. It is a lot. I need a break from you. I love you guys, but I need a break from you guys. Big time. I so feel that. Also, Zoom calls. I want like real, like I wish we were together in a room right now talking. I wish we were together like with a glass of wine and just. So nice. Yeah, no headphones on. Exactly. Okay, so something called the riff. This could be a practice. This could be a product. What's something that you do that you feel like makes your life exponentially easier, better, more efficient? I am not a morning person, but I do wake up really early every day. And so I feel like that makes you a morning person. No, 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 absolutely. No. not. <laughs> I'm the type of person if I didn't have kids, I would sleep in until 1pm. Like uh, I love sleeping. Like I just what time do you go to bed? I go to bed at 9pm 10pm every night. I try. You, like you're asleep by 9 p.m. No, I'm in bed by like 930 p.m. Okay. And I, I'm usually off those off by like 10, 10 30. Okay. But I wake up at five. And is that your just like alone time or are the girls up? No, alone time, 1000%. And so that is something that I had to figure out on my own because we're all in the same house. I'm like, I need to find this time. Like, where am I going to find this time? And so the five to 7 30 AM is my mm-hmm. alone time. And it's like my sanity. What do you do? 
I work out on my mm-hmm. Peloton for 30, 40 minutes. I meditate at least for like 10, 15 minutes. After that, I put on my skincare and I do like my whole ritual of like getting dressed, drinking my coffee. I read like 10 minutes of a book or listen to a podcast. Like everything that makes me happy, I do in the morning. Yes. And you know what? Like, this is so smart. And I have to say, I have an eight-year-old, so I'm ashamed of myself that like, I'm only now really thinking about this, but it's like, you have to be able to protect that time and then also come correct. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't have them coming into my room to wake me up and then wonder why I feel like I'm running against the clock. It's like, even if you have to get up at five, you just need to like carve out that time for yourself to do the things that you need to do because no one's going to hand them to you. No one. And it's miserable in the beginning, but then you will soon love this time and you'll enjoy waking up just because you're like, I need this for my soul. So yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Now today, knowing everything that you do and obviously life throws wild cards at you and you know, you're also exploring this whole new venture, which sounds like it's incredible for personal and professional reasons. What is the idea of having it all look like to you today? I think having it all is a mental state. I think it's learning to be okay with what you have right now. So even if work isn't necessarily great, but you feel like you have it all and you're thankful for what you have. I think it's it's all a mental state really because for me, I'm the type of person that was always thinking about the future of like, okay, I did this, what's next, what's next and what's next. And I, I had to stop that because I didn't realize I wasn't being present. I wasn't being grateful for everything, all the opportunities, all the achievements that I've been able to achieve because I was just thinking about the next thing. So I realized that it was all in my head. It was all a mental thing. And once I was able to switch that, I was able to be more present and I was able to be more thankful for what I have. And I felt like I had it all. So for me, it's a mental state. Yeah. And I love that you protect your mental state by knowing what you need to do to keep your mental state as healthy as it can be. Like we're not going to be happy every day, but we got to work towards making ourselves feel like we're feeding our souls with the things that we need to operate at at least the fullest capacity that we can. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. For anybody who does not follow you or the rich mom, where can they find you? (laughs) Well, there's... I'm going to hang outside of the middle school so that I can see that rich mom. (laughs) Oh man, it's quite embarrassing. But my kids are like... Do they know what it is? My daughter doesn't know what it is, but they're like, she's like, why are they calling you the rich mom? I'm like, I don't know. I really don't know. Oh my God. You could find me on my Instagram at Chris Lim or on TikTok at Chris Lim. Bumo, I'm always there. I'll, oh, we just launched a podcast called Being Bumo. Okay. So Being Bumo. And also what about if somebody wants to sign up for the Bumo classes? Just go to the Bumo site. Yeah. So you can find out information on bumobrain.com or check out the Instagram, Bumo Brain. Okay. I love it. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing. I appreciate you. Thank you, Sarah. This was so much fun. And we're going to get together once this is all over. Yes. IRL. IRL. Okay. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. That's it for today's episode of Having It All and Other Lies. I've been having so much fun talking to and learning from all these amazing women, and I hope you're enjoying it too. 
please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review, and also follow along at Having It All Podcast and swing on over to my page at Sarah underscore Riff. I love hearing from you guys. So please keep up the DMs and emails. And if there's anyone that you want to hear from, let us know. In the meantime, we will look forward to seeing you next week.